my loves, and welcome back to another episode of So I Got My VFA. For those of you who don't know, my name is Kelsey, and this is a fun little podcast where we chat about musicals I love, I give you the lowdown on some of my current obsessions, we play some games, and I leave you with just a bit of advice, all of which I feel qualified to talk about because I recently graduated with my BFA in musical theater. You guys know the drill. If you are listening on Apple Podcast, if you could please leave me a rating and a review. And if you're on Spotify, go ahead and give me a download. That really helps me out. Thank you guys so much for listening. And with that, let's get into the episode. I'm just talking, babbling. This is what you came here for, isn't it? Hi, friends, and welcome back. I literally cannot believe it's next week already. It feels like I sat down to record last week's podcast literally yesterday, and it probably flew by because I feel like this past week was very hectic. It was kind of go, go, go. I worked almost every single day, and with this job, I tend to work at night and late hours, so it's felt like I go to work and then I come home and I go straight to bed. So maybe that's why it feels like it's gone by so quickly. Even in school, like I would get home late from school and still have things to do. But right now, because there's not really a lot going on besides, you know, work, um, I get to just go to bed when I come home. And uh, that's very nice because the subways have been very mean to me lately and um, running super inconsistently and so I've been getting home so late at night especially on the weekends the MTA really needs to figure itself out especially on weekends because it's like it's like they decide that just because it's the weekend nobody has to go anywhere and everyone's routines can just change or be non-existent because it's the weekends because literally all of the trains that run out of my the subway stop that's by my place just decide to not run to my stop. And so it's like, how do the people who live in my area get where they need to go on the weekends? I'll tell you how. We have to go all the way like deep into uh, Queens and then come all the way back and go to Manhattan. It's quite the adventure on the weekends and it takes me about double the time to get to work and to get back from work that it does on the weekdays. And even on the weekdays, sometimes the trains are really messed up. I just like, it, it, for New York, you know, this is my one complaint. I don't have many complaints. I love the city. Um, I even vibe, you know, with the noises that consistently happen outside my window because it's like, this is city life. This is what I live for, you know? But the one thing I just cannot get behind is for a place where most of its transportation, most of the people who live in it, use public transportation for it to be run so poorly. I just don't understand MTA, like let me know. And then when the MTA app lies to me and tells me that this train will take me home when it doesn't, I'm like, at least update your app so that I know how to get home. Oh, I had a whole saga last Saturday, I think, cause I got off super late. And then it told me to take one train and transfer to the other because that train wasn't going to my stop, but this train was. And then it lied to me because the train had told me to get on. It was, it's just, it was a whole saga. My phone was dead at that point. And uh, I kind of had to figure out how to get home um, based on nothing. I couldn't even call like an Uber or anything cause my phone was literally dead. I, I had like enough percentage to text my roommate Genevieve, who you guys know. To be like, just letting you know that I'm trying my best to get home. My phone's going to die. And I guess I'll see you if I'm not there in two hours. Call someone. (laughs) It 
is so crazy. Anyway, that was a small little tangent that I did I did not think I was gonna get on. But um, yeah, this week's just been really hectic, but we have been able to have a little bit of fun this week. My roommate, Genevieve, and our friend Nadia, who I work with actually, we decided that we wanted to do a bit of a sex in the city, so we like to call it, type of day. And so we went and got, we went to this super cute place um, near West 4th Street, and we got brunch there, and it was so cute and actually very, very affordable. We did a bottomless brunch type of situation, and we got an entree and a bottomless brunch for a very cheap price. Um, it's called Carol's Place. It's it's around the West 4th area, um, Washington Square Park area. If you're listening and you're in New York City and you'd like a, a brunch spot to go to, highly recommend. The food was great. The drinks were great. And it was just a really, really, really good time. And they have everything set up to where everything is social distanced. It's also, it was like a really cool environment. It almost kind of felt like maybe it was some type of like saloon or um, performance area or or like when COVID doesn't happen, they have like maybe live performances because there was a stage and there were lights and it was like, it, it was just a very, very cool vibe. And I highly recommend it. It's called Carol's Palace, Carol's Place. Oh no, now I'm forgetting. It's 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 Carol's something, palace or place. You choose what it is. <laughs> but it was so cute. We got brunch there and then we decided like on a whim to go get pedicures and have a spa day. And it was honestly just really relaxing. And I think what we we just really needed it after such a long week, but also just like such a long like pandemic life and we're still in it of course but it was just I haven't really done anything with like that with friends in such a long time and now that things are starting to open back up a little bit and places are figuring out ways of doing things safely and while remaining social distanced you can also like still continue to like do things that are fun and with your life and we're also starting to see a bit of a light at the end of this very long tunnel that we've been trapped in for such a long time with the vaccines um, and I just wanted to throw in that I may have on whim, like totally out of the blue, got a vaccine appointment for this past week. So I'm very, very happy to say that I am half vaccinated, I guess. And, uh, it was so crazy because I actually scheduled an appointment and oh my gosh, imp- appointments like here are so hard to get because you click on you, the appointment you want. And then it, it's like, this is available. You click on it and it's gone. And you're like, you have to just do it so quickly. So I was being a little bit picky about like where I wanted to, to get vaccinated and, and what which one I wanted to get, um, which you shouldn't be, I know, but I was just like, I was just being a little bit picky. Um, but the specific one that I wanted to get, uh, the, the appointment that I got was for May 6th. And I was like a little upset because you know, that was kind of far away and it would be a long time since I would be fully vaccinated. But then my friend texted me out of the blue the other day and she said that a friend of hers was actually setting up appointments and she had one for 145 on the next day. And she was like, she's holding it. She's waiting for someone to take it. Do you want it? And I was like, "Uh, absolutely. I want it. So literally I got that text at maybe like 10 that night and so then the next day I was 145 I was half vaccinated and it was just such a a quick turnaround and and it was so like the experience of going to get it was just like it was it was really nice it was really like uplifting and and it just just felt like 
this is the light at the end of the tunnel we've all been waiting for and just to see so many people in there contributing. Um, it was at the Javits Center where I actually got vaccinated. And so it's just huge, large, empty place and um, just filled with a bunch of people and stations and the way they had it all set up. It was very nice and it was very in and out. It was quick. And uh, so I'm half vaccinated. And uh, it, it, again, it's just like seeing a bit of a light at the end of this very long tunnel that we've been in for over a year now. And doing that and also just seeing things that are announcing that are reopening, especially Broadway. We've been hearing about little bits and pieces of what the reopening stages of that are going to look like. And I saw something on Playbill today that was like, these are the national tours that will be opening back this fall and where they'll be going and blah, blah, blah. And just to be able to see that and to see that there are tiny little advances towards being able to reopen this industry has just been very empowering and uplifting as someone who hasn't even been able to, to get her foot in the door yet because literally graduated college during this pandemic, <laughs> which was at the beginning of the pandemic and to that nature. So and it's just cool also to see the ways in which the world has changed and shifted and found ways of doing things safely and in a, a manner of which you can be socially distanced. The world has adapted to this because I think that if we all were still living the way that we were living when the pandemic first happened and it first hit and, you know, all the grocery stores were like all out of stock of everything. And I was afraid to leave my apartment uh, when it first happened and I was still in New York. And I just, I just love that the world has adapted and that we've been able to come up with things and, and ways of doing things in a, a different, more safe uh, capacity. And so, yeah, it's just all, all to say that there's a light at the end of this tunnel and we are inching nearer and nearer towards it, I think. Just so happy to, to be able to say that. Anyway, oh, I also, before I move on to my weekly obsessions, I want to give a shout out to my very best friend, Auburn. She actually just closed her performance of Rock of Ages, where she played Sherry in her college's production. She goes to UCO um, in Oklahoma, so the standards and stipulations are a little bit less than New York. So they were actually able to perform live. They all wore face masks or face shields, I guess. And they opened it to very small audiences. And in doing so, they also were able to get the means to put on a live stream where they live stream their performances. So for if people weren't able to get tickets because of the such small capacity that were allowed in the theater, or people like me who are far, far away and were not able to go to Oklahoma to see her in it, I was able to see her and she was fantastic. I have so enjoyed watching her grow up. She's um, three years younger than me. We only became friends my junior year of high school, really. That's when we first met and we became friends. And so our friendship hasn't been like very, very long built, but it's been one that like instant connection type of thing and just to have watched her grow up in the world of theater and find her passion for it and just to see her perform and and not only that but to see her perform a role like Sherry which 
I think is a role that like maybe is a little bit out of her comfort zone. I mean, I haven't talked to her about it, but um, I've certainly never seen her do anything like that before. She's more of like the, the the quirky like girl next door, and like in this, I'm seeing her be like sexy and like uh, scandalous and 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 singing belting high notes. That's not out of her comfort zone. She's very very good at doing that. Just to be able to watch her, it just made me so happy, and I was so proud of her. And I just wanted to give her a huge shout out on this podcast. I'm just so so proud of her, and uh, I'm I'm happy in any capacity to have been a part of her journey and growing up in this world. And um, I feel like more of a big sister to her than I do a friend. And so anytime she does something, it just makes me so proud, and I love her so much. So anyway, congratulations, Auburn, on uh, Rock of Ages, and. Uh, hope you guys had a great closing and I uh, can't wait to see you do more things in your future I'm so excited she needs to get out of college though because she's I'm trying to get her to move in with me here she's gonna hopefully move to New York after college and we'll be roomies and it'll be cute and it'll be like the the friend's life with that said I'm gonna go ahead and move on to my weekly obsessions for this week I only have two this week and I'm going to throw in the small one, but I've talked about it before, so I'm just going to say it again. But Younger, I'm filming this on Wednesday, so by the time this podcast actually comes out, it will have already aired. But tomorrow, Younger Season 7 comes out. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see all of the drama that happens. Um, it looks very intense this season. It's the series finale. or this, Yeah, this is the last season. I'm sure they're going to throw in all of the curveballs and... Uh, I just can't wait to see how it begins because it left on a bit of a cliffhanger and how it's going to end up and wrap and where these characters are going to end up. Um, I've been very invested in the show for quite some time, so I'm very excited and also very sad to see it go, but I'm excited to see where these characters are going to end up. Anyway, not really a weekly obsession, just wanted to say that again for all of my listeners out there who are as invested as I am. It comes out on the 15th and it should be out by the time this podcast is out. I'm very excited. I will give my full review on however many episodes they'll be releasing in next week's podcast. My first weekly obsession for this week is actually a television show though. And it's a show that I've been seeing for a while that I know that I wanted to, to watch. And I just finished Parenthood. I actually, for the second time. And you know, that show just, it makes me feel so good and I love watching it, but the series finale is so upsetting and so sad. And I think especially watching it the second time, kind of knowing what was coming around the corner, I was like very, I just got very, very emotional watching the series finale. And I definitely wanted something that was a little bit lighter and something that I haven't seen before because what I've been doing, what I found comfort in <laughs> during this pandemic was re-watching shows that I've already seen before and I felt myself doing that like the past couple of shows I've watched. But all that to say, I really wanted to watch something new that I haven't seen before and I have been seeing this show. It pops up on Netflix. It's been number one for quite some time and it also feels slightly familiar because there is an actress in it whom I really enjoy watching and she was actually in Parenthood. And all that to say, my first weekly obsession this week is Good Girls. And I can't even comment on it that much because I literally just started watching it today. So I'm only three episodes in, but I can already tell you that this is a weekly obsession because I was so upset when I had to like stop watching it because I was like, I need to record the podcast and I knew I need to do prep for this podcast and I, and I have to stop watching this. But like, I'm already th so enthralled by the storylines that are happening. And so from what I gather, it's basically about these three moms who are all in some type of financial issues 
and are, are struggling financially or they're like needing money for a specific thing. And so they all band together and they joke and they're like, why don't we rob a grocery store? And then they actually do it. And um, it, it's funny because it's kind of seen like this, this criminal activity is like seen through the lens of three moms who have never committed a crime in their lives before. And so they do that. That's the first episode. And then from what I've gathered is that like they don't get caught but what I've what I've gathered is that the rest of probably season one will be like them the re- the repercussions that come with that and what comes to them because of robbing the grocery store. But it just feels like a, a story about family and a story about I guess in a fantastical way doing what you have to do to survive. Um, of course, like that is not don't rob a grocery store, like find another way to get money. <laughs> but um, it's it's all fiction, you know, and it's fun and it's light. It's um It's got a little bit of dark comedy, I guess. So the three moms are played by Christina Hendricks, Mae Whitman, who is who was in Parenthood and obviously in so many other things. And then also Retta. And uh, they are just such a like dynamic trio and they do so well. And um, when I'm telling you, I literally was upset that I had to pause it and, and start prepping for this podcast, which I love doing so much, but I was just like, no, I need to see the next episode. Like what happens next? I just need to know. So that's why it's on my weekly obsessions for this week, because I literally just started watching it and I'm sure I'll have more to say next week or the week after that when, once I've gotten more into it. But um, I had to throw it in here because it literally is an obsession. Like, I can't stop watching it. But my second weekly obsession is an album. And it's an album that has been in my life for a very, very long time. It's just a little bit, you know, revamp. And so my second weekly obsession is Taylor Swift's new release of Fearless. And it's called Fearless, Taylor's version. And I gotta say, like, so much nostalgia from listening to this album Back in the day, Fearless was one of my favorite Taylor Swift albums, and I was a big Swifty, especially when she was a country singer, um, because back in the day, we listened to a lot of country music in my family, but I always like was pulled and drawn towards her albums. I loved her music. It was back in the day when we bought CDs, and not everything just came out on Spotify, and... Um, Uh, I would always remember like going to Target because they always had like special deals with her albums for some reason and just like getting the new album and and putting it in my CD player and listening to it. I remember Fearless was definitely one of my favorites and, and one that I would like play constantly. And I love that it was released and I love seeing it coming back in such a triumphant um, independent, older, wiser Taylor Swift way after, especially after all of the drama with her old record companies and who the person who owned her songs and what happened with all of that. And to be able to see her re-release her old albums in this new way is just very inspiring and empowering, I think, because she was able to like reclaim what was hers and not just let anyone like toy with her original content and the things that she created And I think that Fearless is actually, you know, was a great one to re-release first because I believe that there's going to be six albums that she'll re-release. But I think that Fearless was definitely a great one to start with. It's it's one of her best albums, in my opinion, from her her olden days, I guess. And also just like, you know, the songs in it in general are just like, you know, fearless, you know? (laughs) So um, I can't wait to see more of her albums be re-released in her new way it's 
pretty much the exact same. All of the arrangements and all of the lyrics are the exact same, but you know, it's, it's her now and it's her voice now. So like, there's a little bit more maturity to her voice. And it's just like, I think the, the main message is that don't let anyone claim what's yours and uh, what you fight for, fight for what you believe is right. And, you know, don't, don't let people walk all over you. You own what you have. And uh, I just think that that's a good message to send. And uh, also just a great, just a great bit of nostalgic energy in my life. Speaking of nostalgic energy, we are moving on to the musical of the week. This musical has meant so much to me in my life, especially growing up. It has created bonding moments. And uh, I actually have some funny stories about when the, my first experiences with this musical. Um, I'm very excited to talk about it. So without further ado, the musical of the week this week is Mamma Mia! Oh, I'm so excited to talk about Mamma Mia. I have so many things to say about it. Um, not only is it a musical that I love dearly and hold um, close to my heart, but it was a musical that I grew up watching. The movie musical, it was the second Broadway show I ever saw in my entire life. The first one was Mary Poppins. And then the second time I went to New York, I went, I was on a mission. We were going to see Wicked, but we had an extra day and my mom loves Mamma Mia. She loves ABBA and that's really how I was introduced to Mamma Mia was through my mother. So I have a bit of like a bonding experience with her through that musical. And anyway, we were in New York on a mission to see Wicked, but we had an extra day. So we on a whim bought tickets to see Mamma Mia and it was the second Broadway show I ever saw. And it's just one of those musicals that just like holds such a, a, a nice nostalgic place in my heart. Yeah, so I'm so excited to talk about it. Before I get fully into it, though, we're going to start with the Wikipedia synopsis. And just to say that once again, Wikipedia has let me down. So I don't really know where the synopsis is from. I just kind of typed Mamma Mia synopsis, and this is what came up on Google. So um, whatever the synopsis may be, I'm going to read it. So here we go. <clears throat> Donna, an independent hotel owner in the Greek islands, is preparing for her daughter's wedding with the help of two old friends. Meanwhile, Sophie, the spirited bride, has a plan. She secretly invites three men from her mother's past in hopes of meeting her real father and having him escort her down the aisle on her big day. I would say that that's a pretty, that's a pretty standard synopsis. I, I would give it a, an, an 8 out of 10. It doesn't give away too much plot. We don't find out who the father is in the synopsis. Plot twist. We don't really find out who the father is in the musical either, which we'll get to later. But I feel like that that sums it up pretty well without giving away too much, too much plot. I would say that that's pretty good. I do have to preface this by saying that this is a review of Mamma Mia! The movie. It's not the stage version. It's hard to find, I'll say it, and I haven't seen the stage version in such a long time, but I love the movie, I grew up with the movie, I have a lot of stories about me watching the movie, and I'm going to talk about the movie version. That's what this review is going to be about. So just disclaimer, if you were expecting me to talk about the stage version, I'm sorry to disappoint, but you know, they're very similar and there's only minor things, but I will talk about some of the things that aren't in the movie. I will talk about that in the podcast as well, just because there are some songs that were left out of the movie or that were included in the ending credits that I felt like personally should have been in the movie. 
um, because they are some of my favorite songs. But anyway, I just wanted to, to start off by saying that I, this is a review of the movie musical with Meryl Streep and that whole gang. So the first thing I want to say is that Mamma Mia was probably my first jukebox musical I have ever seen. And a little known fact about me, <laughs> just to like put it out there into the world, I am not the biggest fan of jukebox musicals. I don't really tend to like them that much. Sometimes I feel when you have a jukebox musical, the song seems to be kind of shoved into the plot line and they don't always necessarily make sense. And I also just love original content and, you know, musical theater style of writing. I prefer listening to that over like more of a pop rock type of vibe in, in, in the realm of musical theater, at least. And I just love original content. Um, so jukebox musicals aren't my like first choice when I want to sit down and go watch a musical. I know that Jagged Little Pill did something different where they kind of like revamped. They're using her songs, but they kind of revamped them. I actually haven't listened to that album yet. Don't come for me. But honestly, I think I might this next week because I've been saying I want to listen to it for a while. I have a Spotify playlist that I listen to pretty consistently. And if something's not on that, then I generally like don't listen to it. So maybe I'll throw a Jagged Little Pill on there because I do want to hear the album. But from the things I have heard and the songs I have heard here and there, it does seem like they revamp her music just a little bit to fit more of the musical theater style. But regardless of all of that, that's just my opinion on jukebox musicals. I, I just really love original musical theater content. But with that being said, I love Mamma Mia. And I think that the songs blend into the stories in a really nice, creative way. And it doesn't feel like these are ABBA songs with plot around them. It feels like they were songs written for the musical. And to be completely honest, when I was younger, I didn't know who ABBA was. I had no idea. I, and I wanna say that I was maybe 10. Oh, I don't even know when this movie came out, but whenever this movie came out, I didn't know really anything about musical theater that much. But, so I didn't know that these songs were not originally created for this musical. So I feel like as a 10 year old, they tricked me pretty well. So now as a year old, um, <laughs> I feel like I can like say that I really feel like the story and the songs go together really well. I was so curious to, to try and figure out, I'm always curious to, to know how the plot lines of musicals like this are created around the songs. Like do the songs influence what the plot line is or does the plot line written and then the songs are stuck in to fit where they so please I'm sure it's like I'm sure it's kind of both I'm sure like someone comes up with a plot line and they're like oh well this song would fit in really well to explain this circumstance but then this song would also fit in really well but we also have to make sure that we write a, a something that's gonna fit with this song. I'm sure it's a combination of both, but it's just like so interesting. Jukebox musicals are so interesting in my mind in that capacity to, to be able to fit songs into an original plot line, songs that were already created. And like I said, sometimes it doesn't really, they don't fit that well and it, they feel forced. Like this plot line was only created so that this song could be incorporated. But again, with Mamma Mia, I really love it. 
and um, it, it just holds a special place in my heart. I feel like this movie musical in particular was a big bonding moment for my mom and I. She actually introduced me to it, and I have a kind of a bit of a funny story about this. I distinctly remember the day that I was first introduced to the Mamma Mia soundtrack. I was furious because my mother bought the Mamma Mia soundtrack. I did not know what it was. I had no idea. And I don't think she described it to me as this is a soundtrack to a musical. I think it was described to me as this is the songs of my generation. Because she loves ABBA music. And she's like, I love these songs. And I think maybe I had just, I had just gotten a different CD. I don't, it might have been Taylor Swift, to be honest. I don't really remember. But we went to like Walmart or something. I got a CD and she got a CD. And she would not put whatever CD I got into the CD player on the way home. She put in Mamma Mia and I was fuming. I was like, I don't want to listen to your old lady music, mom. I don't want to listen to it. I made fun of the songs. I think Money, Money, Money came on and I made fun of it in the back seat. I was like, money, money, money. I was such a brat. Like I was horrible. And then of course, when I find out that it's a musical or when the movie finally comes out, and we sit down and watch it, and it's a, I find out it's a musical, of course, I'm immediately like, I love it so much, this is so good, blah, 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 I love it, and I just like distinct, that is like a distinct memory in my head that I was so mean and rude about the fact that she wanted to listen to this ABBA music that literally became such a big part of my like childhood. Mamma Mia was one of my favorite movie musicals growing up, to be completely honest, and it was just, I just think that that's a funny story. And then to have Mamma Mia have kind of such a, an impact on my theater life growing up. I mean, again, like I said, it was the second musical I ever saw on Broadway. And it's a musical with these songs are so good. Like, I mean, of course they are because it's hard to critique the score at all because it's, iconic ABBA songs that they were such a great group that wrote such great songs and I think that another reason why they work so well in the capacity of a musical is that I feel like the ABBA songs themselves are kind of theatrical within themselves I mean like listen to the winner takes it all like that song such power ballad like 11 o'clock number energy like come on so and I, I think that I just also relate to a lot of the songs. One of my favorite songs in the whole score is Thank You For The Music because the, I felt like singing that as a child or hearing it, I would sing it all the time around the house. But hearing that song as a child who loves music and who's who had music as such a huge part of my upbringing and who was constantly singing and just loved when any type of music came on, that song resonated with me so distinctly that it, it literally is like my theme song, I feel like in some capacity. I just, what what's the one lyric? I'm nothing special, in fact, I'm a bit of a bore. She sings that at first and then she's like, but I have a talent, a wonderful thing, because everyone listens when I start to sing. And oh my gosh, like just even saying those lyrics just right now, like it's so powerful. And I feel like for any type of singer or anyone 
whose music is just so important in their life and who who just loves to sing whether they want to do it professionally or not that lyric just resonates with you and it just sticks with you and it's one of my favorite songs growing up my mom loves when I sing it there's another lyric that's um she says mother says I was a dancer before I could walk she said I began to sing long before I could talk and from what my mom tells me I started singing far before I started talking so it's just like a song that's just so relatable and I hate that it's not in the movie it's in she sings it in the final credits but it's not actually in the movie and I think that it's such a beautiful moment in the musical because I I, if I remember correctly now I will say the last time I saw Mamma Mia the musical was on Broadway um the stage version when I was 12. So if I remember correctly she sings that with the dads I think and it's towards the beginning of the musical I think I could be remembering that completely incorrectly but I think that it has a special place in the musical and it's really sad that it was cut from the movie but I understand that like musicals translating to movies are you know it's it's touchy like what gets to stay and what has to go so I do understand that but just it's one of my favorite songs I think another thing, and honestly, maybe the thing that I love most about this musical in particular is that it's so heavily female driven. And while there is a main plot line about, you know, a romantic relationship and, you know, the the complications between Donna and Sam, it's not the main focus of the show for me. I feel like the main focus and the main drive of the show is centered around the relationships between the female characters or Sophie's relationships with the three father figures in her life. Um, I mean, we start the musical with Sophie and her girlfriends, Allie and Lisa, singing, you know, Honey, Honey and going through her mom's journal, which first of all, weird. Like, (laughs) I just think it's, I I don't know, if I found a journal of my mother's written about her um, early sex lives, especially about my own conception, I'm not sure that I would be all giddy and funny about it. I think I'd be like grossed out and want to never see it again. Um, But that's just my own personal opinion. (laughs) Um, But anyway, back to the point, we see Sophie, Ali, and Lisa's relationships and that core friendship between the three of them. And then we see that translate over to Donna's core relationship with Rosie and Tanya. And that's, those are the, you know, the main focus of relationships is those three. And also Donna and Sophie's relationship as mother and daughter. And what Donna thinks is best for her daughter versus what Sophie wants in the moment and thinks she has to do. And then another relationship is Sophie's relationship with the three men who could possibly be her father. And how those go from not even knowing them at all and how they transform into something once they realize that, oh, this could be my daughter. And just seeing her bond with her fathers, it's so family relationship oriented and it doesn't really focus on you know the romantic relationship we have that tiny snippet of Sam and Donna and of course they get married at the end of it but that's not the point of the show the point of it is it's just like female driven and female relationships and you know relationships within the family and I think that that's another thing there's no villain of this show everyone is likable and I was actually because you guys know I talk about my favorite character my least favorite character of each show 
And I honestly don't have one for this show. There is no least favorite character. There's no character that stands out to me and goes, I don't like that character. I don't like the choices they're making. I wish that they were taken out. I just don't feel that way about this show because it's not, that's not what it's about. And also with like this uplifting, like fun disco-esque ABBA music, it's, it lends itself to being a fun musical along with, you know, The Winner Takes It All and Slipping Through My Fingers and songs like that. I just think it, it, it overall creates this like great world and environment for the musical to live in and be a musical that, you know, you don't really have to like sit down and think about. It's one more that you can just enjoy and you want to know who Sophie's father is at the end and you get frustrated when they're like, you don't need to figure it out. And, and then, but then you just accept it and you go with, no, that's a great, beautiful story about her having the three dads and her relationship with her mom. And it's also such a fun story. I think everyone wants to have a friendship in their later years, like Donna, Rosie, and Tanya. I think that is like the core of what everyone wants. And also just the fact that they live in Greece I'm sorry, it might not be everyone's dream, but Greece is my dream destination. All you have to do is look at the background in this movie to know why. It is gorgeous. It's so full of, you know, history and the beaches are gorgeous and the water is crystal clear blue and you go there and you, you, you feel all of the, the culture. Well, not that I know cause I haven't been there, but like what I envision in my head is that you enter it and you get this, you're like thrown a bunch of like culture and history. And while all of that, while like sitting on the beach and like just absorbing these like beautiful backdrops. It's my dream destination. I literally, if I had to save my money to do anything with my girlfriends in the future, it would be a girlfriend's trip to Greece. That is like my ideal location. It always has been. I don't know why. It's not even like, I think maybe it sparked from just seeing like a picture of how beautiful Greece was. And I was like, that's where I need to go. But then like, I've just been doing more research into it. And it's just like, I just, I feel like I need to go on a girl's trip to Greece at one point in my life. And hopefully I will be able to get there one day. I know I'll be able to get there one day because um, it's going to happen. But uh, the whole fact that it's set in Greece just makes sense for the way that these people live their lives too. I get so upset at the end. I think um, Sophie has this line where she's like, let's not get married. Let's get out of this town and travel the world. And I'm like, she wants to leave? That's my ideal location. I wanna go. Sophie, I will trade places with you. I don't know. It's just, it's very funny to me. That's what Sophie wants to do. She wants to, and it's, it's very similar to my journey of like me wanting to get out of my small town, not wanting to be there forever. But I think the sense that like mine is a small town in, in Texas, in East Texas. And uh, hers is like the Grecian islands. I'm like, why would you ever want to leave? But I mean, I understand. Like, go travel the world, be with your man, and live your best life, Sophie. I think that was all to say that that's what I love most about this musical. So now I want to get into talking a little bit about the plot line of the, the musical in general. I think that it's so interesting that Sophie is now trying to figure out who her dads are. She's 20 years old. I guess, like, her wanting one of them to give her away at her wedding. I guess that makes sense. But then in my mind, it's also like, wait a minute, 
you have such a great relationship with your mom. Why are you not just asking your mom to walk you down the aisle and give you away? Which she eventually ends up doing in the end. But in my mind, it's like, why was that not the original thought? Sophie, get with it. What's going on? So anyway, she invites the three of them. Donna doesn't know. Rosie and Tanya show up. We see that dynamic trio that they're so good and I think it's because like it's a such a blend of personalities like we have Donna who's a little bit quirky but also very stable um and then we have Rosie who's like the fun friend who's like weird and like it is up for anything and then we have Tanya the very mature and the very sexy and the very I'm still 20 years old type of vibe and like it's such a it's such a good trio I like I said I think that everyone wants to be wants to have a friend group like that when they're older and um just someone to remind them that they're still young and they're still lively even in their older age um, and they do that with Dancing Queen because Donna's like, I, there are three men back in my life. I'm in this hotel in Greece and I'm just like getting older and they're like, girl, you can dance, you can jive. And then Meryl Streep does a, the splits. Like it's ridiculous. I actually, when I was doing some research on this, um, I came across an article that was like 12 things that you may not know about Mamma Mia. And it was, um, one of them was Meryl Streep actually did a full out toe touch on the bed and uh apparently in an interview she was like as Meryl Streep does being the queen actress that she is she's like it's just I was fully in the moment and uh it just came out like I don't think I could do it for you right now but as an actor we have to do things that are just in the moment and things just come out of us while we are so fully thrown into that character they just come out of us so yes I did a full splits toe touch in the moment, but if you asked me to do it right now, I don't think I could do it. I was like, that is, <laughs> Meryl, girl, you are iconic. Thank you so much for everything you do for this community. We love you and uh, stay, stay iconic queen. But anyway, that interview just made me giggle a little bit. I literally wrote it down because I always take notes. I don't always talk about them too much, but I always take notes when I am watching the show that I'm talking to you about. And I literally wrote, Meryl Streep doing a toe touch at this age couldn't be me. Honestly, like, she is just so iconic. I honestly think that Donna might be one of my favorite Meryl Streep roles, especially her movie musical roles. I mean, I think that there are ones that would be considered more iconic. Like, you hear that she's playing the witch in Into the Woods. Oh, iconic, Meryl Streep playing the iconic role of the witch in Into the Woods. And then also, most recently, Dee Dee Allen in The Prom. Oh, iconic, Meryl Streep is playing Dee Dee Allen in The Prom. But I wouldn't say that like someone saying Meryl Streep is playing Donna in Mamma Mia is iconic. Because I don't think that Donna is so much as an iconic role as those other two. However... I think that she does such a great job in this role and it feels just like it feels like it's meant for her to play and she's so good in it and all of her beats are there I mean as they are in every single situation that she's in and I just feel like it, it just makes me feel so like nice watching her play this role and I, I have felt like my connection with her acting has been most present in this role in, sp in particular. She made me fall in love with the character Donna. I literally think that Donna is one of my ultimate dream roles. I would love to play Donna in Mamma Mia. Right now, I would like to play Sophie in Mamma Mia, but in my olden life, my olden life, you don't have to be that old, Kelsey. Like, come on. 
but I would love to play Donna in this musical. I actually, when we were in high school, my freshman year, when the hope of musicals were still alive in my high school, I, one of my best friends um, was another really good actress and singer in our school. We came from, went from a very small school. It was a very small uh, pool to pick from. And my dream was that we did mama, we would do Mamma Mia so that I could be Donna and she would be Sophie, even though it probably would have it probably would have been reversed. I probably would have played Sophie and she probably would have played Donna just because of like type and whatnot. But also she was older than me, so she had a more mature, whatever. But like my dream scenario was that our director was going to announce that we were doing Mamma Mia and she was gonna play Sophie and I was gonna play Donna. So all in all, I would love to play Donna one day, but Sophie is also a big dream role at, my, at the time right now. Oh my god, another one of my notes says the fact that Rosie is played by the same actress as Jenny Weasley. No, not Jenny. Oh my god, what's her name? What is Mrs. Weasley's first name? I'm completely blanking. But anyway, the fact that Rosie and Miss Weasley are played, Molly, her name's Molly, are played by the same actress. I literally said, take that typecasting. We have one who's so calm. I mean, Molly's a little bit quirky and whatnot, but like she, really she's just like tame and calm and keeps the household together. Whereas Rosie is this crazy wild like friend who is the, is the one who's always like, you know, starting the fun and whatnot. And just to see that be played by the same actress, like it literally like just take that typecasting is what I, what I just wrote in my notes. And that's all I have to say. Um, another one of my favorite songs in this movie musical sorry, I feel like I'm jumping around a lot, but I, I forgot to talk about this, is Money, Money, Money. I love singing this song. I think that Money, Money, Money really does fit in well into the plot line. Again, like I feel like most of these songs do. Like it doesn't feel like they feel out of place. I think whoever wrote the book, they crafted it wisely around these songs and they were able to place the songs into the musical very, very well, which again is why I think it really works as a jukebox musical. Um, another song that I really, really love is Slipping Through My Fingers. I think that this whole montage of them, of, you know, Sophie and Donna and her helping her get ready for her wedding while Donna is singing the song, I think that it brings a bit of a new meaning to the song. Just like, I've watched her grow up. She's my baby. Now she's getting married and I'm going to give her away. And the, I think the montage of them getting ready is like what every girl who has a has a great relationship with her mother hopes and wishes for on her wedding day. I think that um, that relationship between Sophie and Donna is something that like a lot of people want and I'm very, very lucky to have with my mother. Um, again, I think that watching the show, like I mentioned earlier, it was such a bonding moment, not only because she kind of introduced me to Mamma Mia, but also just the relationship between Donna and Sophie and me being able to have that relationship with my mom as well and resonating with these songs like slipping through my fingers and thank you for the music and um, just like resonating with those songs in such a strong personal ways I think is why I have such a strong connection with this musical and I'm very very um, lucky in that capacity and so mom I know you're listening to this and I love you and thank you for forcing me to listen to this album at the lone age of however old I was and putting up with me and then forcing me not forcing me but um, allowing me and introducing me to this musical as well mom thank you for the music that was cheesy Another moment that I really want to talk about uh, before I start wrapping things up is the winner takes it all. This 
moment in this movie, I think I remember it. I remember feeling heavily emotional while Meryl was singing. And I mean, I, I really don't remember what year it came out, but I definitely feel like I saw the movie before I saw the musical. So it must have been before I was 12. But before then, you know, like, whatever, like, I didn't understand emotions. That's such a weird thing to say. I remember watching Meryl singing The Winner Takes It All and being moved at such a young age and knowing like how strong of a performance that was. And I think, I mean, Meryl does that with all of her roles. She she is so dynamic and she's so good to watch and just like every beat is hit and it's the smallest things that she does that she, you're like, I would have never thought to have hit that moment or it or to to do that in that way. And she's just so good. It's literally an acting masterclass watching her every time she's on stage. But I I feel like someone to be able to like move me emotionally as a at such a young age, like with their performance, I mean, there's a reason that she's the queen of the acting world. She's so good in that moment. It and, and just watching it again at at my age now, like wanting to be a performer, like it, it's just like so moving. She's so good. That moment is so emotional and she hits every single beat. She does not miss her mark on any single beat, any note. Oh, also speaking of notes, I feel like there's a lot of hate about Meryl Streep's voice, um, her singing voice. I personally don't have any issue with it. I think that it sounds fine. Do I think she's the best singer in the entire world? No, but at the same time, she's she's pretty good. And in my opinion, if you have the acting to back it up, girl, you can sing whatever notes you want if you're gonna act like Meryl Streep. I mean, like, come on. But at the same time, I, I mean, I think that she has proven that she is a pretty good singer, especially for her to be getting, keep getting cast in these roles over and over again. I feel like there's like this group of people who let, who love to hate on her voice. I don't think there's any ground for that. I will say there are definitely actors who are in this musical who um, are definitely were cast for who they are and like because they're A-list actors and not so much for their singing. <clears throat> the guy who plays Sam, cough cough Pierce Brosnan, like I, I don't think that he has the best voice and um, there was probably a, a, a better singer to play Sam. However, they chose to cast him because of, you know, his name and he's a great actor. But with Meryl, I just don't feel like that's the, the case necessarily. And I don't know, I don't know what it is about that. But um, regardless of all of that, going back to her performance, just so, so enthralling and, and just so moving. And that is one of the best performances in the show, in my personal opinion. Oh my gosh, songs that I haven't talked about yet. Dancing Queen, Mamma Mia, Honey Honey, I mean, I, I feel like I don't even need to go into detail of why I love these songs so much. They are so iconic. Um, whether you love Mamma Mia or not, you or whether you listen to ABBA or not, you've definitely heard Dancing Queen. Like, it is the probably the most iconic song ever. Just songs that, like, are uplifting and make you feel good. And then Mamma Mia, of course, placed in such a smart place in this musical. And, again, I keep reiterating what I, what I keep saying, but it's just, like, this it's, it's crafted so intelligently again doesn't feel like a jukebox musical i do want to talk about who sophie's father is because i feel like this is a topic that everyone like right before i wrap this up this is a topic that we should all be discussing right who do we think sophie's father is 
in my opinion and growing up, I always wanted it to be Sam. I know that the whole point of the musical is that it doesn't matter because they all are gonna love her equally and she can have three dads and it doesn't matter who the actual dad is, but I wanna know. It's like it's like the ending of such a good book when they end on a cliffhanger and you're like, but wait, what's, what happens to the characters? Like, I need to know. Cough, cough, the giver. Oh my gosh, that book wrecked me. We read it in like seventh grade and when they ended the way it did, I was so upset. I was like, you're not gonna tell me what happened. Anyway, it's kind of like one of those moments where like, I still wanna try and figure out who it is. So I think it's pretty out of the question that it's Harry. Just because it doesn't make sense for it to be Harry in my mind, it could be, but I don't, I think that Harry is like my last choice. I want it to be Sam and here's why. There's something in my brain that says, well, Sam and Donna are meant to be together. They have, like, clearly, like, they end up together in the end, and they had the most, like, romantic connection of all three of them, I think. So my mind is saying, I want it to be Sam. Also, clearly, because he's the hottest of the three men that show up on the beach that day. It's just the truth. I just, I want it in my gut, I want it to be Sam. But I also recognize that it could be Bill because of the same situation. So in my brain, and I'm, I'm like, am I wanting it to be Sam? And am I thinking that it has to be Sam because Sam and Donna actually end up together? Or is that just my brain trying to like create this, like craft this perfect family? And in actuality, it could be Bill. And if we look at Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, and we see a younger Bill, and then we see Sophie, they look exactly the same. So it's it's very possible that it could also be Bill. I just don't think it's Harry. I don't think Sophie emulates Harry's energy. And honestly, he's one of, it's so sad, but he's one of the ones that I tend to forget about. Also, good for him for coming out on her wedding day. Like, you go, Harry. I feel like, they, like that was like ahead of its time and being proud and who you are and being able to step up. So like, Good for you, Harry. We love that you're gay and we love that you're living your best life. But with that said, I don't think you're Sophie's dad. I wanna say that it's Bill or Sam and I, in my heart, I want it to be Sam. And I felt like as, as a young person, I was always like, why aren't they just saying that it's Sam? We all know that Sam is the father, like yada, yada, yada. But in actuality, it could be any, any of the three of them. But I still wanna say that it's Sam simply because of everything that I just said. But that's the whole point of the musical is that family doesn't have to be blood. Oh my God, I just had that epiphany in this actual moment. You're literally hearing me have a light bulb <laughs> moment right now. I'm so silly, how did I not think of this before? Family doesn't have to be blood. Family is the people that you surround yourself with and who come into your life and are there for you and care for you. And that's why like, Rosie and Tanya are Sophie and Donna's family. And these three father figures are Sophie's dad. And it doesn't matter which one of them is her actual blood relative because they all love her and they all care about her and they're all gonna help her grow and succeed in the future. Wow. Family is what you make of it and it doesn't have to be blood. That is the, that is the message we're getting out of Mamma Mia. I feel enlightened. I feel, I can't believe that it took me 10 years to figure that out. Um, and I literally just figured that's what sometimes that happens when I'm t on this podcast and I'm just like talking about all my thoughts about the musical. I have these epiphanies. I haven't ever really pointed them out before, but I've definitely had some in the moment epiphanies or in the middle of recording this podcast. 
And that was definitely one of them. But wow, what a beautiful message and what a beautiful way to wrap the talking about this musical. Uh, so just an overall, my favorite songs are Thank You For The Music, Slipping Through My Fingers, The Winner Takes It All, and of course, Mamma Mia, Dancing Queen, and Money Money. Money Money is too relatable. It's too relatable to not be on my favorite songs list. And honestly, I don't have a lot of skip songs. I don't really vibe with Chikakita and SOS, so I tend to not listen to those, but really all of the songs are great. I don't really have a favorite character or a least favorite character. As I said earlier, it's hard to pick one because there's not really an unlikable character in the show. They all are great in their own capacity, and there's not really a villain in the show either. And not that I'm saying that my least favorite character should be the villain, but I'm just, usually my favorite character is the villain. <laughs> but I just love all of these songs. Oh my gosh, wait, before we stop, before we go on, I need to talk about two of the most underrated songs. And I think it's Tanya's and Rosie's song, especially in this movie version. Take a Chance on Me, which Rosie sings to Bill, is so underrated. And I feel like it's, it's so, like, it's so much bigger in the musical and we see Rosie kind of fall for Bill a lot more because it does feel like it's very thrown at us in the movie, like at the very end and she's just kind of like jumping on him and then they fall in love in two seconds. But it's a much bigger deal in the musical. I feel like that's underrated. And also Does Your Mother Know is also very underrated. I love Tanya. She is my spirit animal. She is a character that I would also love to play in this musical. And um, she just owns who she is. It doesn't even matter like... Like, age is but a number, honey, because, like, she's about to walk in like a 20-year-old, and she's going to own it, and she's going to sleep with maybe 20, 21-year-old. Let's not make him too young here, Kelsey. Um, <laughs> but, like, she's she's just going to own who she is, and she doesn't need anyone else's opinion. And I think that Does Your Mother Know is an, another very underrated song. It's actually a very big musical number in the musical and the movie, honestly, too. Overall, what I love about this movie musical version is that it's crafted in such a way that it still feel, feels like you are watching a musical. They have the big ensemble numbers, they have the dance numbers, the ensemble like swims out of the ocean at one point. They're up on the roof with Donna as she's looking in at the three guys. It just feels very much like a theatrical experience, whereas like some of the movie musicals they're creating nowadays, it feels like a cinematic work of like, magic and it's not so much doesn't feel like you're sitting on a stage and or you're sitting at a theater watching it on a stage it kind of I kind of get those vibes with Mamma Mia which is why I think that it's still it, it does so well as a, a movie musical that is the last thing I'm going to say about that I love this musical dearly and I just made me so happy to get to revisit it and uh, get to talk about it and talk about the impact that it's had on my life. With that, let's get into the Tony Award winning moment since we don't have a favorite character, least favorite character. I already kind of talked about it, but it's Meryl's performance of The Winner Takes It All. Absolutely phenomenal. I talked about it in length and um, so I don't have anything else to say on that, but that is my Tony Award winning moment. My rating is, get ready for this, eight out of 10 possible fathers. <laughs> I'm hilarious. Anyway, um, yeah, I give it an 8 out of 10. A musical has to really spark something in me to give it 10 out of 10. I don't, I don't know. But um, it's definitely up there. It definitely has, you know, the high standards of an 8 out of 10 for me. And like I said last week, I don't rate these comparing them to other musicals. I rate them as a musical itself. 
And uh, yeah, so a lot of my musicals get sevens or eights or nines. And um, it's not me saying that Mamma Mia is on the same level of this other musical. It's me saying that Mamma Mia itself is an eight out of 10 for me personally. And with that, let's move on to one of my favorite parts of the podcast, which is the dream cast. I feel like I've crafted a a very good dream cast I've got going on here. So I'm very excited to talk about it. For Donna, I have two options. I have Audra McDonald with Haley Kilgore as Sophie. I think that that would be a power duo. I mean, Haley Kilgore gives me island vibes. It's She's just always going to. She was so good as Team Moon and Once on this Island. And I think I'd love to see her play something with a little more um, light and... Uh, youthful energy, which she had in T-Moon, but she also had to grow up very quickly in that musical. So I'd like to see her play Sophie, who is just kind of like light and youthful and uh, fun energy the whole time. And then Audra, like, I don't even have to explain. Like, Audra has mega Donna vibes. Like, she would she would be such a great Donna. And then for my second casting, I have Donna Murphy as Donna and Carrie Butler as Sophie, which is is a bit of a weird casting because some might say Carrie Butler is a little too old to play Sophie. But Carrie Butler, in my opinion, gives off youthful energy. And I mean, her voice is perfect. Like she's got that beautiful uh, pingy mix quality that she would be so great in this role. And then Donna Murphy, like I, again, I don't even have to explain. She would be so good in this role. So I would love to see either of those pairs playing this role or even mix and match it, like make Audra Carrie's mother and Donna Haley's mother. Like it doesn't matter to me. I just would love to see either of those renditions of this show. For Tanya, I said Laura Benanti and because I think that she plays like roles kind of um, not similar to that, but like I think she would be really good. And Tanya, maybe she, like she needs to like get a little bit older, I think, but I think she would do a really good job as Tanya. For Rosie, I said Andrea Martin because duh, like there, no, like that's perfect casting and you don't even have to question me on that. For Sam, I said Brian to Arcee James and I had trouble with Sam because I was like, I need someone to like, like who really fits this vibe. And I'm not sure if Brian to Arcee James is that, but he was like, he came up and I was like, huh, I would really like to see him play Sam. So he, he is Sam in my dream cast. Bill, I have Neil Patrick Harris. I can't explain why, but he just exudes Bill energy to me. He would also be a really good Harry, I think. Maybe more of a Harry. Oh, but I have Christopher Sieber as Harry. Maybe switch them. Maybe Christopher Sieber as Bill and Neil as Harry. They're interchangeable, okay? But like, either way, I want to see both of them in the musical. That's my dream cast. And with that, that's the wrap of the musical of the week. I hope you guys enjoyed talking about that musical with me. I love talking about Mamma Mia. Again, it's one of my favorites and it's definitely at the top of my jukebox musical um, loves. And uh, it was just so fun to get to sit down and talk with you guys about it. So the games we're gonna play this week is uh, yet again, we are going to be taking some Buzzfeed quizzes because I have found more and I feel the need to share them with you. So I gotta say, I was looking for quizzes to take and I know Hamilton was like a four year ago thing. So why is it that almost every single quiz on musical theater Buzzfeed quizzes is like, pick a pie and we'll tell you which Hamilton character you are. Like literally almost every single one of them. I had to like search for ones that weren't 
specifically Hamilton related. I get it. It's a great musical. I think it's time for like the mega hype to die down just a little bit, but that's just my opinion. Okay, so this first one is, oh, I wanted to do this one because it was like movie musicals. So it's the quiz's only musical theater kids will be able to tell if the movie or the live musical came first. Okay, so the first one is Mamma Mia. How ironic. So Mamma Mia was a stage version first because it came out in 2001, I think. That's correct. Mamma Mia, the stage version came before the movie. Okay, West Side Story. Um, West Side Story definitely was a stage musical first. Yeah, 100%. Grease. Oh, I actually don't know. Well, no, because it must have been a movie before stage version because it didn't come out until like the 90s on stage. So must be a movie. Oh, it was a musical first. Huh. Interesting. When did the movie come out? I mean, it's John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John, so like, wait, but when did the, I don't know. Anyway, The Lion King was definitely a movie before a musical. Yeah, 100%. Les Mis, definitely a musical before a movie. Hairspray was a musical before a movie, 100%. No? It was a movie first? No way. The musical came out in 2003. The movie didn't come out until like 2005. I don't believe that. I have to look that up. One moment. Oh, that's because, yep. Okay, that makes sense. It's because I forgot that the version with Zac Efron and Brittany Snow and John Travolta was not the original. The original came out before my time in 1988 and I've never seen that, so it's correct in saying that the musical came after the movie. Hmm. All right. Mean Girls, the movie, definitely first. Yep. Sound of Music was definitely a musical before the movie. Yep. Billy Elliot, I have absolutely no idea. I want to say a movie first. Yep. Because the musical didn't come out until, like, when did it win the Tony? In, like, 2006, maybe? 2006? Because that was up the same year as Drowsy. And it couldn't have been 2004 because that was Avenue Q and Wicked. And then, yeah, it must have been 2006 or seven. I don't know. Anyway, Annie was definitely a movie first. I'm incorrect again. I just think of that original movie being so old that I couldn't even imagine that the musical came out first. Anyway, um, I'm doing great. Newsies was definitely a movie. Yep. And The Wizard of Oz was definitely a movie. Okay. So I got 9 out of 12. Hmm. It says I'm, I'm impressive. I only got three wrong. But as a, a musical theater podcaster, I have to say I'm embarrassed. But anyway... All right, so the next one is, ooh, would you eliminate the same musicals from popular musicals as everyone else? So this isn't a quiz, but it's asking me which song I would eliminate from which musical. Okay, so which song would I eliminate from Hamilton? And then it's going to tell me a percentage to see if I was, like, if I agreed with the, like, majority. So Guns and Ships, Satisfied, The Skylar Sisters, You'll Be Back, The Story of Tonight, or Say No to This. 
I'm gonna say the story of tonight. I know that it's Im highly important to the plotline, but out of those songs, I wanna say that I jam to it the least. Okay, so people would, it was a 24% to 27% of saying no to this. Weird one was Guns and Ships was at 20%. I thought that would be like the last one to go. But say no to this one, 27%. Um, that's interesting. I, I kind of jammed to say no to this. So anyway, um, next is Spring Awakening. So we have Mama Who Bore Me, The Bitch of Living, Touch Me, Don't Do Sadness Slash Blue Wind, Word of Your Body, and Those You've Known. I want to say either Touch Me or Word of Your Body. And I want to say Word of Your Body can go. Really? They wanted to get rid of Don't Do Sadness and Blue Wind? That's such an iconic moment in the show. Who's taking these quizzes? But the second one was Word of Your Body. But like, Don't Do Sadness, Blue Wind was 26% and Word of Your Body was only 19. Wow. Anyway, this is gonna take far too long if I keep talking it like this. Okay, next is Mean Girls. We have Sexy, Fearless, Meet the Plastics, World Burn, I'd Rather Be Me, and Revenge Party. Oh, okay, I'm gonna take out Fearless because I feel like that's my least favorite song of these options. 100%, um, everyone agrees with me. Anyway, next is six. I'm supposed to take a song out of six. There's only like six songs in the, and it's not even gonna give me like the songs that I don't vibe with, like the ending song. Like I would definitely take out the end. Okay, so it's either No Way, Don't Lose Your Head, Heart of Stone, Get Down, All You Wanna Do, and I Don't Need Your Love. Um... I'm gonna take out All You Wanna Do because I simply can't take out any of the other ones. Heart of Stone was number one, but I feel like that All You Wanna Do was last. Only 9% of people would take out All You Wanna Do. So interesting. Okay, um, I'm just gonna do a couple more of these. Uh, let's do Dear Van Hansen. You will be found, anyone have a map, only us, if I could tell her, sincerely me or for forever. Sincerely me, goodbye. Are you kidding me? 37%, which is the top one, would take out Anybody Have a Map. That's like my one of my favorite songs in the whole show. I love that song. And then, oh, I would have taken that. I don't, I don't agree with this. I don't agree with this. Okay, I'm going to do one more of these. Uh, let's do, oh, okay, so the last one is Wicked. So it's for good, popular, defying gravity, as long as you're mine, no good deed, and dancing through life. I'm going to take out, this might be um, niche, but I'm going to take out popular... Wow. Well, I mean, that makes sense because popular is like one of the more popular songs. I feel like people taking this like whatever. 32% uh, said Dancing Through Life, but I love that song. And the next one was As Long As You're Mine. It's like my favorite duet in musical theater history. Anyway, no, it's not. I just, I just really love the song. And then the last quiz I'm going to take because we have to find out these nine questions will reveal which musical theater leading lady you were destined to play. So did I take this in the last time I did BuzzFeed quizzes? I don't really remember, but we'll find out. Pick an 80s romantic comedy. We have Can't Buy Me Love, Pretty in Pink, Flash Dance, A Fish Called Wanda, 16 Candles, When Harry Met Sally, Dirty Dancing, The Breakfast Club, and Heathers. I'm gonna go with The Breakfast Club. What's your motto? Be who you wanna be. If you have to kill somebody else to get there, say la vie. Waste not, want not. Always look on the bright side. Good people only ever end up being screwed over by cold, unfeeling world. The ends justify the means. Actions speak louder than words. The greatest things you'll ever learn is to just love and be loved in return. Life is too short to hold grudges or you only live once. I want to say actions speak louder than words. 
What is your worst quality? I think I definitely did take this in the last one. I don't remember who I got, but maybe it'll be different. Your worst quality, your grammar is atrocious. You take too many selfies. You complain a lot. You are too trusting. You're always in the wrong place at the wrong time. You're selfish. You're completely insane. You're a basic bitch. Um, or you like drugs too much. Oh my gosh. I want to say that I'm too trusting, but I'm definitely not because I definitely am not that. Maybe I'll just say I'm basic. What do you want most? Fame, someone who's totally uninterested in you. <laughs> That's funny. Freedom and equality, to be out of the friend zone, to go out and have a good time. Is anyone really sure about what they want? True. Um, to be warm and happy, for everyone to believe in you or more time. I want to say for everyone to believe in me because that's something that's really important to me in this career path. What's my dream vacation? Is Greece on here? No? Okay. A seaside town. I would say that's, that's Greece, kind of. Paris, a monkey sanctuary, Hollywood, the beach, Disneyland, London, a cruise, or Santa Fe. I'm going to say the beach. Why not? And what do you do when someone, the person you love, loves someone else? They'll come back. They always do. Sob uncontrollably, preferably in the rain, light everything on fire, screw someone better, shoot your ex-lover, try to keep a brave face but end up throwing your whole life down the drain, do whatever it takes to win them back, hang out with your pet instead, or prove you're better than them. Maybe I would, um, I'll hang out with my pet instead. That'll happen. Are you a good person is the next question. Yes, yes, of course. I'm a good girl, I am. Uh, yes, though I've shoplifted. Sometimes good people are forced to do bad things. For the most part, yes. Yes, but no one else seems to agree. Not really, doesn't matter. I'm gonna say I'm a good, I'm a good girl, I am. And then pick a color. The colors are green. It's okay, I'm gonna pick this. It's like my favorite color. It's like a pale blue. How will you die? Is this almost done? This is a lot of questions. Okay, you can't die if you go to hell and live forever. Tragically, famous, fighting for what you believe in, apocalyptic catastrophe, happy and sad, surrounded by my grandchildren. I don't know, how do people usually die? Having accomplished everything you want, or drugs. Why are there so many drugs? I want to say fighting for what I believe in. That makes me happy. I am Eliza Doolittle from My Fair Lady. I am spunky, charming, and most of all, lovely. My intelligence and determination will get me anywhere I want to go. I don't let anyone tell me that uh, what I can and can't do, and I'm going to go far, so don't let anyone underestimate you. I would say that that's pretty accurate. I love that description. Um, Eliza Doolittle was a role that I uh, got in Rolls and Sides, when, in my Rolls and Sides class, so um, that makes sense. Um, so now we know. That's the end of the game. And so we're moving on to my favorite part of the podcast where I give you guys a tiny bit of advice that I have learned throughout getting my BFA or maybe something I wish I had learned or wish I knew before going in. But today's advice for you guys is to show up for every rehearsal, every class, and every practice session like it's a performance. Practice, this is one of my favorite quotes that was given to me when I was in high school, I think. Um, actually playing softball, I, I want to say is when I heard this quote first, but practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. And that's so true. There's no point in practicing something at less than 100% because you're not growing. If you're going to do it like halfway, then that's the way you're going to perform it. You know, like you have to approach 
everything, even if it's just a voice lesson, you have to go in it at 100% every single time. And that's the only way you're going to grow. And if you do that, I promise you, because I didn't even like, I didn't even grasp this concept until later on in my collegiate career. And I promise you that the minute you start walking into every practice room, even if it's just you in a practice room for 30 minutes, you go hard at it for that 30 minutes and you work your butt off in that practice room. You are going to grow and you're going to succeed and improve exponentially faster than you will doing things at half capacity. And and it, it's, it's a situation where like if you go into a rehearsal and you're not feeling well and you say, oh, well, I'm not, I'm just going to like go through the motions today. Then what's the point of showing up, right? The point is to get better and to, you know, practice the way you want to perform. And there's simply no reason for doing it at half capacity. You have to approach everything. And this is like, this is one. So sometimes I try to do ones for performers and then ones like that are general, but this one is, can be applied for both like theater and real life situation as well. Cause even in the real world, what's the point of doing something if you're not going to approach it 100% and you're not going to reap the benefits of going at it full force because there, there, there really is no point in doing something at half capacity. So just whatever you do, whether it's performing or whether it's learning a new skill or whether it's starting a new job or whatever it is in your life, approach learning and training and just doing the thing at 100%. Put all of your energy into it and you will be so much more successful so much faster and you'll, you know, you'll reap the benefits so much quicker and um yeah just practice like you want to perform again I'll leave you with this quote one more time practice doesn't make perfect perfect practice makes perfect thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast I so enjoy talking to you guys every week I'm on Instagram at underscore Kelsey McFall underscore and I'm also on TikTok at Kelsey MC 137 I will say my TikTok game is lacking just a little bit because I have been very very busy but Regardless, I'm still on there and would love to, to see you guys and see who's listening and um, just let me know. And I also sometimes post things on my Instagram stories that deal with these podcasts. So if you'd like to be involved in that, um, go ahead and give me a follow and reach out to me and let me know that you're listening. And um, I love to hear from you guys so much. And uh, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I will see you next week. Uh, I love you and thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Mwah.